0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Okay, uh, go ahead. If you have a Bible with you or if you have the UVersion Bible app on your phone, uh, go ahead and pull that out. We're gonna go uh, to the book of Acts, which is in the New Testament, uh, you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then right after that you have the book of Acts. And uh, today I'm going to be talking out of chapter three uh, from the book of Acts. And uh, I'm excited about this because we've uh, started last week just talking about what it means to really be blessed. And uh, last week I kind of painted a picture that there's a great chance we don't fully know what it means to really be blessed in the context of what, how God wants to bless us. Sometimes we we uh, we think we're blessed, but it's only by comparison because we either know somebody or we, we know of, of a situation where we have it better than somebody else, and so in by comparison we say, well, you know, yeah, I'm I'm blessed, and uh, or we just if, you know if you're a church person and we know how to say all the right Christian words, right? Uh, you just you know to say to people, hey, how are you doing? I you know what. Honestly, brother, sister, I am just blessed. And uh, and it's so weird when people talk like that. I'm sorry, I do sometimes too, but sometimes I gotta remember that um, there's you know a whole world that really has no idea what these words are that we're using when we have conversations. And so let's be real people and use real words so people can understand what we're saying even though we're Jesus followers. But I believe that, that God desires, it's in the Bible, God desires to bless your life in ways that would absolutely blow your mind. And uh, he wants you to have the, the best marriage that ever existed. He wants you to have Uh, the best family that ever existed. He wants you to have an incredible financial situation in your life, believe it or not. He wants you to have friends that you just want to be friends with them for life. He wants you to be able to have dreams and visions of your future and actually not just dream about it, but actually see these things happen. And, uh, And so a blessed life isn't just getting through, isn't just having a roof over your head, isn't just being clothed and just being fed. I mean, there are definitely people that don't have that. And in that context, yeah, maybe we are blessed in that comparison, but I really want to see us as a church and as people become people that begin to experience that, that, that mind-blowing blessed life, not so that we can start upgrading our vehicles, right, and getting more square footage in our house and, and paying more for clothes. That's not what being blessed is about. Being blessed is about having God trust us with what he, he can give us, kingdom wealth, so that we, in turn, begin to do something in our cities with that. And, uh, and so I want to I read uh, a couple of these verses to you, and uh, then I'm going to kind of tell you a story of what we were, as a church, what you helped uh, make happen just this last week. So starting in, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, Peter and John went to the temple uh, one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, uh, crippled, not like, hey, You're you're lame, but he was a crippled man. From birth, uh, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. This would have been probably the most trafficked area entrance of the temple in Jerusalem at the time. Very strategic uh, for what he was gonna be doing so that he could beg from the people going to the temple. And when Peter and John, uh, when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. thought he was going to get paid. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Spoiler alert. But what I do have, I will give you. Or, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were... That's good when you cough into a microphone. We're instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. This is such a powerful um, account, not just because a miracle took place, uh, but because there was something bigger at work. Let me tell you about something that you um, if you've been giving the Convo Church something that you helped make happen this last week, we got um, a call from this school, the Academy of Arts, Career, and Technology. That's the name of this high school. And uh, Karen and I had always prayed when we were trying to find a school where we could do church and, do, and partner, that we could find a church where we wouldn't just kind of come in and do our Sunday thing and leave, but we could actually do something that was a positive impact, something that we could partner with to really help connect with the people in the school. And so I've been asking the principal and asking and, And so finally he said, hey, you know, we've got this thing where we've identified uh, 10 specific families within our school that our school is going to try to, you know, bring in food so that they can have a good Thanksgiving. You know, 10 families that um, are, you know, they're struggling financially and we just, they're a family, so we want to help them. And I said, okay, we can get behind that. That's awesome. And uh, and said, well, you know, here's, you know, the whole school body and teachers and faculty, they're going to be, you know, bringing these food items in. And, uh, and so I started asking them, like, well, how's that going? They're like, well, it's coming in. You know, we're just about have all the food. I'm like, well, it sounds like, it sounds like you got everything. What can we do? And I started thinking, I'm like, what if we just, on top of the food that you're already gonna be giving them, um, what if we were able to give like a $50 gift card to every family on top of what already is there for them to do whatever it is that they wanna do, whether they wanna go get more food or whether they wanna use that for Christmas, whatever it may be. And, uh, and so I'm talking with a teacher that was putting all this together and she was blown away. She's like, are you serious? She's like, no, is that like just $50? I'm like, no, per family. So that's, that's $500. That's, you know, $10, 50 gift cards. And so we did that. And this, uh, on Friday, I brought it to the school. It's actually, the teacher is in that classroom. Nope, sorry, that classroom right there. And, uh, and so I came in, got my visitor pass so that I'm, I'm not looking scary coming into a school. And I uh, went up there, and she saw me coming, and I'm holding these envelopes in my hand because I put, you know, just a little envelope in there that says, um, just, just wanted you to know that you're loved, uh, sincerely, Convo Church. And, um, and we put the gift card in there. We put a little Convo card so they know, you know, who we are and just sealed it and gave it to them. So we walked in, and the teacher, she was smiling. She came over, and I was like, here, and I'm just trying to sneak in, give it to her, and walk out. And she's in the middle of class. And she's like, hey, students, do you know who this is? I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure. And they're like, no. They're like, so this is the guy, like he, he pastors a church here in our school. Did you even know that there's a church that meets in our school? And they're like, no. And they're like, there is, you can come. And, and uh, as I was driving away, I'm like, I really blew that opportunity. I could have just really gone at it. Uh, but she, she, she just starts bragging on us in front of her class. She's like, this church heard that we were doing this Thanksgiving uh, thing to help the 10 families in our school and they wanted to get behind us. And so they, they're giving every family a $50 gift card to, you know, and they were just like, they're clapping and, and, uh, and I was not emotionally prepared for the moment. And the teacher, starts, the teacher starts tearing up. And it was just so cool. And so I just said, you know, it's our, it's our privilege. You know, we just wanna, you know, we're not here just to pay rent. We're here to, to help minister to the families in the school and so they said thank you and I walked out but I just want you to know that that's possible because of your giving and so but that convo this is that's just the beginning that's just the beginning I want you I want you to understand something about how as a church we desire to operate we don't want to be we don't want to operate in the context of when a need comes to us then we figure out what we can do and and how we can take up special offerings so that we can meet a need. We wanna be a church that understands the principles of giving so much that we are giving in advance because we know that we wanna be ready when the opportunity arises for us to say, boom, we're ready. not hey, can we get back to you? Can you give us two or three weeks to take up multiple offerings and hopefully we can do something? But we will be ready because we already have a context and an understanding that we are blessed and that God desires those who are blessed to pour back into his kingdom through their local church so that we can be a source of blessing to our communities. Um, I, I, think, I was thinking yesterday, watching the news over in the, the two main areas that have been most recently devastated by the fires. And, and you, just, you watch the news and they're just panning around and it's just ashes. That's all it is. And, so, and, and people that are, you know, going through the ashes just trying to find any piece of personal article that they can salvage. And, and for many of them, there's literally absolutely nothing. And I, I think to myself, you know, because I know there's churches that are responding and churches that have buildings that are opening their doors and trying to help. And and I started to think, like, what if something like that happened here? Would we as a church be ready to just generously respond to uh, build somebody's house? Or, you know, like, You know, I think that in most cases we're not because we're not yet living, and I'm talking the church collectively. We're not yet living at a place where we are, where we're getting ahead of the game in our generosity. Uh, We want to, well, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit on that, and you know, if something does pop up, yeah, I'll totally, I'll totally give to that. Well, let me tell you something. Something popped up. It's called the church. And God desires us to not just invest our lives and our time, but also he talks about this thing called the tithe with, uh, with if, you're, if you're not in a church background and or maybe you are, like that word tithe, it's, it's literally, it's, the definition of it is 10%. That's what the word actually means. And so there's a scripture, it's in uh, Malachi verse 310. Check this out. It says, it says, bring the full tithe into the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Uh, test me in this. This is God speaking. And so it's kind of it's cool and almost a little bit intimidating when God says, test me, because this is the only area, literally from Genesis to Revelation, where God says, test me on something. Uh, I didn't, you know, my dad never really told me to test him. He actually told me all the time, don't test me. Uh, but God, in this sense, is saying, test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessing beyond your wildest dreams. Um, it can be easy for us to focus on what we can't do because of what we don't have, but I want to challenge you with that. That's, that's a poverty mentality. This is, man, I, I just, I wish I could, but, you know, I'm, I'm, this is where I'm at and I really don't have that much to offer and... And uh, I wish I could, but I, I really, I really can't. But listen, a blessed life is a generous life, and and I think we need we we have to start by realizing that generosity is not connected to a certain dollar amount. Right. Generosity is the condition of a heart, and and that's really what God's trying to get after. He wants to know if He has your heart. Uh, We ask him to come and live in our heart, so that we can be saved, so that we can have a brand new life and and become a Jesus follower. Uh, But he wants to know, I I know how I can tell if I have your heart I'll ask for the thing that's closest to your heart, which for many, not all, but for many people is our finances because our finances, right, they, they buy us food to eat, right? They, they pay the bills, they, they put a roof over our head. And so if we were to take away a source of these things, maybe it would put you in a situation of panic or fear or oh, man, I, don't, I just lost my job and I don't know how I'm gonna do this and, or my job's not paying me enough. I don't know how I'm gonna pay the bills. And, and God continues, even in those moments, he's still saying, I wonder if I have your heart though. You know, man, it was, you know, one of these Thanksgiving messages where I get to hear the pastor tell me how I'm not giving. That's not what we're even talking about today. And it was, I'm not even planning on talking about tithing per se, but it builds a picture of what it means to be blessed. God continues to bless people that he knows he can trust with kingdom wealth. And when I use the word wealth, don't, don't let that make you nervous. I always sound like this prosperity thing where if you give, then God's going to give you money. And it doesn't always work that way. God doesn't say, if you give, it's not, you know, the stock market, which we're very grateful for that, uh, where, well, I'm going to give the Lord $100, and according to biblical principles, you know, if you carry the two, bring the, that means he should be sending me a check for, for $10,000, and that's, that's not how it works. God says, trust me and give me the tenth, and watch what I do in your life. All I know is that for my wife and I, we have made it a, a non-negotiable our entire uh, 18 years. We've, and in January, we'll, we may, we'll be married 18 years. And uh, that's right. That's right. And, and before the 18 years of marriage, we, uh, we dated and were engaged for six months because I knew, I knew what I had. I'm like, why are we wasting time on this? Let's do this. Let's get married. Um, but throughout our entire relationship, we made a determination um, before we got married, that, that we were always going to uh, be faithful with our giving and be faithful with our tithing, and and we made that declaration before we were even married. So we had no clue what we were getting into. The fact that oh, we're grown, we're we're all grown now. So now we got bills, <laughs> and now we got we got you know tuition to pay. We got now we got rent to think about. We got insurance. Parents ain't paying for the cell phone anymore, so we got to think about that. And so all of a sudden, real life starts happening. It would be very easy to say. Well, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get to that, uh, but I gotta pay these bills first. I gotta I gotta take care of me first, otherwise maybe I won't be you know in a good enough place to to do what God wants me to do. And uh, and God says no, you got that backwards. Uh, incredible encounter here in Luke twenty one. I Just want to read this to you real quick. It says. Uh, This is Jesus talking. He's with his disciples, and there's another crowd around him. And he observes something happening and he begins to tell the people about it. He goes, Just then, he, Jesus, looked up and saw the rich people dropping offerings in the collection plate. And then he saw a poor widow put in uh, two pennies, or what would be the value of literally two pennies. And he says, The plain truth is that this widow has given by far the largest offering today. All these others made offerings that they'll never miss but she gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. God doesn't bless stingy people. And they are like, well, that doesn't, you know, I thought God just blesses everybody. No, he doesn't, there are principles. There are, uh, when I took geometry <clears throat> twice, uh, there were these things called if-then principles. You remember that? I don't wanna talk too much about it because it takes me back to bad memories. But like, if this, then this happens, right? And so all throughout scripture, there are basically these if-then type of principles that God puts into place, not because we're earning some behavior that gets God's attention, but we are doing, it's almost like a key. God gives us a key that if we would stick it in the lock and twist it, it would unlock something that God desires to give to his people. And, and giving is one of those where when we begin to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with this because I can definitely think of things that I could do with 100% of my paycheck. But what you're asking me, God, is to give uh, in advance, give 10%, the first 10% of that paycheck to, to you, uh, to, the, to the church where you've got me, and then live off of 90. And God would say, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You well, know, that sounds a little bit crazy, and God says, I'm a little bit crazy. I think God is, And uh, or maybe it just seems that way to me. But, but God's principles are never untrue. So my wife and I, our entire life together, we have had moments where we did have to make a choice between, are we going to pay this, this bill, are we going to go and buy groceries, or are we going to be faithful and trust God and tithe first? And every single time, we said, you know what, it's, we can justify doing that because This money really would only buy us food or do this. Okay, we're going to stick with this, only to see 100% of the time to see God come through. We've got got crazy stories. And again, that's not even what I'm preaching on today, but it's just kind of building the the stage for for you to understand something that, that what you have is greater than what you don't have. Come on, what you have is greater than what you don't have. And God wants to unlock those blessings inside of you. It starts with the tithe, and then it even goes to other aspects of our lives. I wanna say that because uh, there's, there's this, this crazy study that I looked up, because I heard somebody say one time, and I wanted to see if it was true or if it was just kind of one of those statements that people say, and, and people are like, oh, obviously that's a true thing. So I looked up the research, and um, all the things that our world struggles with right now as far as uh, hunger, as far as clean water, As far as, um, you know, preventable diseases Um, around the world, uh, most governments have to take on the weight of trying to fund and figure out how to solve those things. And we all know that the way that the government pays for things is through taxes. And so, ultimately, that money ends up coming um, out of us to hopefully meet some of these needs. I think it doesn't take... um, uh, you know, a really good reporter to go out and figure out that those needs are not being met, that there are more people hungry than ever, there's more people sick than ever, um, that there's people that are struggling and there's lots of organizations that are working to make it happen. Now check this out. If the, this, is the, this study was done by um, rethinknow.org, and this is actually in 2016, as far as where some of these stats come from. Uh, on average, two point, um, Christians are giving 2.5% tithe uh, compared to the Great Depression where Christians gave 3.3%, uh, which means that in our current state, uh, people that were going through the Great Depression where they had nothing were giving more than Christians are giving now, percentage-wise. Uh, on average, 3 to 5% of Americans give regularly to their church. Now check this out. If, this is crazy, if uh, all Christian churches, and it's just America, if all Christian churches in America, if we all gave a tithe, not nothing more, nothing less, but just the tithe, we would flood the local churches of our nation with $140 billion a year. Now check that out. That is double the amount of money that it would take to end world hunger, to cure and to prevent every single preventable disease to make sure that every human being on our planet had clean drinking water, to make sure that every single language and nationality and ethnic group had a Bible in their hand and in their language. There are almost 7,000 dialects in our world right now the Bible has only been translated into about 1,800. And so that, that's, those are just things. We would be able to um, start 500 new prison ministries, we would be able to create 5,500 new family counseling centers. We would be able to put $150 million to provide debt and financial management training, $100 million to provide job training for unemployment. These are just a few things, and that's only half of the money that would come in if the church would tithe. Now, here's the crazy thing. Way back in the day, it used to be the church that did all this stuff. The church started to not do all that stuff. The church started to get caught up in religion instead of doing what Jesus actually asked us to do. And all of a sudden, the government started to realize, well, if they're not gonna do it, then we're gonna have to help with some of this because now people are are voting for us and we need to find ways to make them wanna vote for us. And so let's begin to create these programs. And and a lot of it came from very good places and great intention, but we, we see today that that system is completely broken. There are needs being met, there are people being helped, but it's not even touching the need. But if the church would begin to be the church and trust God, which seems like a crazy statement, but if we would trust God that he is who he says he is, he's gonna do what he said he's gonna do, that even the things that in our our human minds seem like, you really want me to do that? I don't know, because it doesn't feel right. It feels like I should be doing something else. If we would trust God with those principles, he would unlock the blessings of heaven and we would live a blessed life like you would never, ever, ever imagine. Man, the potential is absolutely endless. So listen, I'll say it again. When you are a Jesus follower, you have, what you have is way more valuable and powerful than what you don't have. Don't let what you don't have be the thing that keeps you from doing and being what God says that you can do and you can be because you have so much more to offer than you think. So check this out. I'm gonna go through a couple of these verses that we read in this main text and, and, and see how this begins to speak to us. Verse one and the New Living Translation is where I read this from. It says, Peter and John went to the temple, uh, and, and in their context, that would have been like going to church, uh, but they were in, in Israel in the Jewish, uh, uh, the Jewish religious uh, environment, so they would go to the temple. Even the new church, they still went to the, the Jewish temple for prayer. Uh, Typically in their environment, there would be a a 9 o'clock, a 12 o'clock, and a 3 o'clock prayer. The 3 o'clock one was usually the one that was most well attended and got the most attention, which is why we see this guy who was crippled being brought to the entrance during this time because he did his research. He knew when he needed to be, where. And uh, and so his friends would come, and, and or his family members would come and drop him off, and he would begin to beg and ask for money. And so for this guy, it wasn't necessarily what he wanted, but it was the only thing he ever knew. And so, but I want to say something about Peter and John coming to prayer. There's something about you connecting yourselves to spiritual disciplines that will end up putting you in the right place at the right time with something to offer. Now, I had Peter and John said, man, you know, it's, you know, we just started the church a chapter ago. Um, It was, uh, I said, thank you. Three of you got that. Chapter two. And, um. You know, a bunch of people, we just, we baptized like 3,000 people. My back's sore. Um, You know, they're like persecuting people. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sleep in today. And uh, there's prayer three times a day anyway. I'll get it tomorrow. And, uh, but when we dedicate ourselves to the different prin- spiritual principles, whether it's being faithful to pour ourselves into reading the Word of God or whether it's being at church consistently to the point where it's not something that I have to figure out or decide if I'm gonna do it. It's just what I do. You know, it's, you know, there, I don't know about you today. When I woke up this morning, before I left my house, I didn't have to debate whether I was gonna put on pants or not. Everybody can say amen to that. You're so glad that I didn't. But I didn't have to, like, man, am I gonna, I don't know, man, I just don't know if I wanna wear pants today. Why? Because I have checked the box of that being I have decided that I will not go into public without my pants on. There are different, yes, can I get an amen? There are things in life where God wants you to get it out of the decision-making box and into the it's-just-what-I-do box because it's a part of who I am. And so Peter and John said, no, it's, this is what we do. Let's go pray. And, uh, man, you've got to remember for them, Jesus, just weeks, weeks before, they were still walking with Jesus in the flesh. They are no, now, now they're doing what Jesus had called them to do, but he's gone back up to heaven. He sent them the Holy Spirit, and now they're going and doing the thing that Jesus told them to do, but without him in the flesh. And so there's mental things that they're thinking about, so they're probably saying, we, we definitely need to pray. You need to pray. And so they went into the temple. They encountered this man. And then in verse 2, it says, As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, to beg from those that were going to the temple. And when Peter and John saw them, he asked them for some money. Now here's the thing. God has put something in you that people need. But one thing that you need to realize is not, not everything that people ask for is actually what they need. So often we can, hmm, how about it? We can uh, make ourselves feel good because we constantly are helping people do what they're asking us to do for them. And don't get me wrong, that's there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Had had this story unfolded the way it had unfolded and Peter flipping McCoy, I don't think that would have ruined the story, but God was trying to get at something here that what this man thought he needed was not actually what he needed. It's just all that he knew. Sometimes we're gonna come across people in our lives, whether it's somebody that's on a street corner begging or asking for something, or whether it's a friend in the life, a family member, a child, or whoever, maybe a coworker that is struggling, they're asking for something, and you have to be able to discern what is it that they actually need. Because sometimes giving them what they're asking for is actually just, is just prolonging the condition that they are currently in instead of bringing hope and life to their situation to completely turn it on its head. See, God doesn't want us to just meet the needs of the needs that people have. God wants us to meet the needs of the needs that people actually need. And sometimes it's not always the same. Peter looked at him intently. It's in verse four. Peter and John looked at him intently. So it's, how many times, and please don't let, or you're just preaching at me. No, I'm preaching to me. How many times have I been in moments where I felt like there was somebody I should speak to or somebody that I was walking past and I felt like I was supposed to interact with them, but because of my own, I don't know, insecurity or selfishness or just deciding to ignore it, it wasn't convenient in the moment, I, walk, I just walked past them. Or, or, you know, for all of us, you know, the millennials and maybe for those, you know, you're in an awkward situation, you don't know what to do, what do you do? i just pull up my phone here. Somebody's trying to text me or something. And then he walked past you like, okay, clear. All right, phone back in the pocket. Here's the thing. They're not far removed from Jesus being with him. Jesus was constantly going into the temple. This was the main entrance, the main entrance where most of the traffic would come to go into the temple. This guy has been dropped off at that same spot. It says every day of his life. How many times did Jesus walk past this guy and not meet this need? We don't know, it doesn't say. But you have to know that Jesus had seen this guy. Well, why didn't Jesus heal him then when he was there? Maybe because he was setting the stage to give his disciples an opportunity to step out in faith and do something that he was calling them to do. So I love the fact that Peter looked at this guy intently. He says, look at me. This guy's like, sweet, this guy's intense. He's probably got like big coins, not bitcoins, big coins. He's probably got big coin, you know. Peter says, I don't have any money. (laughs) The guy's like, okay, thanks a lot. Keep the line moving, there's other people that do. And he goes, no, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'm gonna give it to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which there is power in the name of Jesus. Not just, you know, with my own good efforts and my own good intention, but no. With the power of the name of Jesus, Rise up and walk. So th- I don't know if this guy woke up this morning. I, we don't know anything about this guy other than what we see in the story. So we don't know if maybe like every day he's like, I just want to be healed. I wish I wasn't crippled. I wish I, I wish I could walk. I wish I could get a job. I wish I could be you know contribute. Now here's the other thing. The entrance of that temple, that's as far into the temple, the house of God, that this man was actually even allowed to go. Because of his crippled state, there was a very strong belief held in their culture that people who were sick or people who had diseases were that way because of their sin or because of the sin of their parents. And so you are that way because you deserve to be that way, because God's curse is on you, and you're not allowed, you're not good enough to be in the presence of God. So here's the thing. Every single day, he knows that environment, he knows the culture, he knows of God, he knows what the temple is. Every day, all he does is he gets to look at people passing by that are better than he is, that get to experience this this God that everyone talks about, but he's not good enough to experience. And people pass him by, and pass him by, and throw coins at him, and pass him by, or maybe make comments like, why don't you get a job, or why don't you go and make something of yourself, or I bet you're faking it, or you know, here's a couple more coins, and that's his existence. So we don't know every day if he just woken up saying, God, would you just heal me or would you just take me I'm tired of being this guy that's just out able to do nothing got to be carried around by friends and family and all I can do is beg for money that the people who are helping me get around they end up taking a cut of it anyway Peter says no I'm not going to give you money first of all I don't have any second of all I'm going to give you what I do have I'm going to give you Jesus What would happen if Convo Church or every church in our city or every church across our country started to realize that what we have is more powerful and valuable than what we don't have. And instead of being the church that just tries to make something happen so that we can hopefully be some type of light that moths come to, they'll just come to us that we begin to interact and become people who go to the city where God has called us and we begin to do the things in the name of Jesus that he's called us to do. Because God still heals today. God still does miracles today. God still saves today. This isn't just some uh, beautiful story from the Bible that has no context to our living today. It's not just because Peter and John were uh, famous apostles and so they had special powers. No, they were followers of Jesus. And Jesus goes and tells them, listen, you have the authority to do what you're doing because I'm giving you that authority. It says in Matthew 10, 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples together, gave them authority to cast out evil spirits to heal every kind of disease and illness. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus says, I've been given all authority. And so this was a transference of authority. He's like, now go and take my message to, the, to all the world. Heal the sick. Cast out evil spirits. Raise the dead. Do crazy stuff. How can you do it? Because I'm giving you authority. How can I give it? Because it's all been given to me. Jesus has given you authority, John 14, 12 through 14. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, will do the same works that I have done, check this out, and even greater works. What? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, we'll do the same things that Jesus did. Now, if I, I don't know all of Jesus' Bible stories, but I remember them being some crazy stuff like people that had leprosy, they were healed. People who were dead, Lazarus, come to life people who were sick, healed, people that had evil spirits were cleansed, they were made whole, people who were blind couldn't see, people that couldn't speak, They all of a sudden they could speak. Um, that's just some of them. And so Jesus, you're telling me that because you're going back to the Father and you're gonna put your spirit inside of us, that we're gonna do greater things than you did? And I feel like Jesus is sitting up in heaven saying, yes, now would you please go do them? We're like, oh, we don't see those things happening. That's because we're doing this. We're just sitting on our hands, asking God to bless us. We're just going through the motions, trying to get from God, because unfortunately, culture has taught us that that's, if there is a God, that that's what it's about. You know, it's what God's going to get from me. God, if you're real, you're going to do something for me. And God's like, I just want a relationship with you. Since when did this become something about like, okay, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. God's like, I just love you. I just wanna be with my kids, I want a relationship. And, and guess what, all the people that are out in our city that don't know God, the people like this lame man that either they're, they're suffering with something physically or they're suffering with something spiritually, they, they're, they're God's kids too and they just don't know it yet. And God loves the world so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for that person so that they wouldn't have to live the life that they're living now, so they wouldn't have to perish, but so that they could have eternal life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. God's not looking to bless us just so that we can be blessed. He's looking to bless his church and his children so that we can take that over-the-top abundant blessing and go out into our world and give them what nobody else can give them. I'm telling you, no, no spiritual seeker or no mystic is gonna be able to do what the Holy Spirit can do. No tarot card reader is going to be able to speak into somebody's life what we can speak into somebody's life because we're speaking from the Spirit of God. No other person that is seeking their own power, their own kingdom, or their own, their own popularity is going to be able to do what Jesus' followers can do when we go out with a pure heart and the same heart that we see with Peter and John. Now, I love the fact that it ends with, and babe, go ahead and come on up. That's my wife. That's why I called her babe. Just for the record. <laughs> Just making sure. Came in late. That's my wife. I think she's hot and I married her. Anyway. Put a ring on it. Yeah, that's right, because she married me, Cody. There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Verse seven. This is where we wrap this up. I love this. Um, Peter, Peter, he took the lame man by the hand, and this represents uh, this represents two things really, because he didn't have to. You know, had had he not reached out his hand and helped the man up, would he have still been healed? I don't know, but he did probably would have, but it's all speculation. We're, so we're just gonna go on what it says and what we can see it saying. It says he reached out and he grabbed the man by the hand and he helped him up. Um, sometimes, almost like what I was saying when we first started talking, sometimes it could just be an extended hand that changes somebody's life. This represented encouragement. Peter was encouraging this man to receive what God had for him. He could have just stood there and been like, you're healed, get up. And he was like, I don't if I can Well Jesus said So what's your problem Get up He says you're healed Get up Walk God loves you And here I'm going to help you I'm going to prove it And he helps him get up And it almost paints this picture That as the man was standing up As he was responding He was being healed Wow The other thing it represents Is it represented a change In this man's life Because Because no longer Was he going to be an outsider That wasn't welcome Into the temple He now got to be welcomed into the house of God. Peter said, we're gonna change something for you, my man. Not only are you gonna change your outside, we're gonna change your inside. And he reached his hand out and he welcomed, he helped him up. He welcomed him into the community of faith and he did it in the name of Jesus so that there was no confusion of like, well, Who is this? What religion is this? What belief is this? I'm not sure if I believe that. This is Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Remember though, because it goes on later in that chapter because all of a sudden this guy, everybody knew who he was because he's been there his whole life. It says he's walking and leaping and praising God. This dude is freaking out because he can't believe what just happened. And it doesn't really talk about what Peter did, but if I'm Peter, I'm freaking out too. In a good way. Have you ever have you ever had confidence that something was going to happen, but when it actually did happen, you're like, I can't believe that just happened. Peter had seen miracles happen, and and even when when Jesus was still with them, Jesus had sent them out, kind of on a little mini mission trip. All right, go two by two, go out. You're gonna pray for people, and they came back. They're like, people got healed, people got set free. Can't believe this is happening. So he had seen it happen before, but now Jesus is not there, but the Holy Spirit is in him, and this is kind of their first time stepping out, and 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 Peter's like. Oh my gosh, it just happened. I thought it could happen, but now it really happened. It's crazy. And it says that they created such a commotion that this crowd began to gather to the point where, if you were to kinda kind of look at like some old historical maps of how the temple looked and laid out where the gates were, it goes on to talk about how they went to this one part of the temple called Solomon's Colonnade, which is kinda like a little courtyard area outside of where the main stuff was. So they had, they had interrupted prayer Completely mess that up. Don't you love it when you try to have you try to do something, you try to do your religious things and then God screws it up? Like we're we're, we're it's prayer time. What are we doing? Stop healing people. This is time to pray. And read your Bibles and stop having fun. Come on. No. God decided to interrupt what what man thought that he was gonna do for his religious duties and God decided to show up and mess it up and do a miracle. And it says it caused such a commotion, they're kind of getting out of the way. And then Peter does what Peter had become so good at doing in this season of time. And this is where we're gonna end. Peter preached the gospel. So here's, here's what's gonna happen. This is how revival is gonna happen in our city. It's not gonna happen just because Uh, we're able to get all the churches together in one building and and be unified and and yay, that felt so good and now revival's gonna happen. Now revival's gonna happen when we realize that the Spirit of God that is inside of us is at work 24-7 and it's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And if that Spirit of God can raise Jesus from the dead, then there's nobody in our city that is that is too far gone or too great or too 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 little or, or not important to be impacted by that same power. And so church is gonna happen when not when we have our services. Revival is gonna happen when you decide that you are a an empowered Jesus follower that has the Spirit of God alive inside of you. A pastor doesn't have to pray for the sick, you can pray for the sick. You don't have to have a Bible college degree to go out and do miracles in the street. You just need to have the Spirit of God inside of you, church we can make revival happen not by having a service but by taking it to the streets. Peter was pumped up and yet again after he spoke to the crowd that was there he began to tell them that hey, the same Jesus that you crucified he didn't mix any words because they weren't that far removed from that, that historic moment. He said the same Jesus that you crucified guess what, he loves you and he died, he used what happened there so that you could be saved and you could be set free. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at ConvoChurch. We'll see you next time here on the Combo Church Podcast.